changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark with your daily dose of Chicken Soup for the Soul inspiration to make you simply happy. It's Friend Friday, and today we have a special guest, travel expert Pauline Fromer, whose name you undoubtedly recognize from all of those Fromer's guidebooks. So, Pauline, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. And by the way, congratulations on the 60th anniversary of Fromer Guides. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. For those of you who don't know about Fromer, these are the most amazing travel guides. You can check them out in print, which is very important. Uh-huh. Now, I, I personally love to have a print guidebook when I go someplace. It's like my Bible that I carry around with me, and I mark it up, and it becomes a souvenir of my trip. <laughs> and then also Fromer is online and has all kinds of different offerings, which Pauline will get into. Pauline, and e-books. 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 If you e-books. want to carry it on your phone, if you want to carry it on a tablet, you can do that too. That's great too. Yeah. I like the print book and then I make, I make my husband carry it. So that works for me. <laughs> I just rip them apart. I just rip out the sections I'm going to be using. So I'm actually destroying books all the time. Oh my goodness. See, as a book lover, creator, I know. I, know. I, I have a hard time with that. I feel guilty when I turn the pages over. Oh, that's funny. And then I'll be like, well, it's a paperback. It's okay. <laughs> well, Pauline is the editorial director of the Fromer Guides. She's the author of the best-selling guidebook to New York City for the last four years. It's called Fromer's Easy Guide to New York City. Right. She oversees all the other books. She oversees Fromers.com. She has a nationally syndicated radio talk show about travel on ABC. She's on television all over the place, radio all over the place. You've definitely seen her. Uh, she works with her father, Arthur. I do. Which is very cool. And she has two teenage daughters who she's raising with her husband in New York City. So this is a very busy woman who has actually yes. joined me in studio today <laughs> in Times Square. She took time out from her day to join me here. So I'm grateful for that. Well, I'm friends with your engineer, so I'm always happy to come in here. So, you know, I talk all the time at Chicken Soup for the Soul about the benefits of traveling. I'm a big proponent of stepping outside your comfort zone and traveling. And you probably know some of the science and some of the empirical evidence behind the fact that travel is so beneficial. So let's talk about that. Well, I I think we all know that downtime, doing something different, is rejuvenating. You know, it gives you a different perspective on your life. It makes you happier. Uh, But not only downtime, planning for travel can make you happier. There was recently a study and it found that people who were planning for trips uh, were the happiest. And second happiest was when you were on the trips. And then it's unclear whether going on the trip makes you happy after the trip. Maybe because you have all that email to catch up on. I'm not sure. But I always say to people, read before your trips. And it doesn't have to be just travel guides, although we're thrilled if it is. Read novels, rent movies that take place in the place you're going to, Uh, read about the art history, read about the history. It brings travel into your daily life and makes your life so much richer. And then when you're on the ground in the destination, you're not just waiting for somebody else to tell you what you should be seeing. You bring your own ideas to it and you're you're having revelations and, and really enjoying yourself. I totally agree with you. I've been doing that for years. We went to Dubai for the first time seven years ago, and we've gone twice since then because Mm. we loved it. But I remember reading 
novels, historical novels set in Dubai. And I learned so much. And then when we went and we did all of the visits to the historic sites and I saw the way they did air conditioning through these natural cooling towers and all the other things, I recognized them. From the, the novels. Yeah. And I, I read novels before going to Hawaii. I read a novel before going to Nantucket. No matter where we go, yeah. I read novels set in those locations, historically and present day. And part of the fun is it's going to be different than what's in the book. But you'll also, a lot of things will be, oh, yeah, I recognize that. And, oh, I know why they did that. Where Whereas the travelers you're around may not have a clue what they're looking at. What I've heard often from people who go to Europe on tours especially, that it was cathedral after cathedral after cathedral and they get a little bored. There's a children's book called Cathedral and it goes into all of the ways these cathedrals were built, why they were built in the shape they were, how many people died creating them, how many centuries they took, which is why why when you go to a cathedral you see so many different styles – if you read this book, you will be so excited to to see a cathedral. But it's a kid's book. It's it's mostly pictures. So well, that's it's all easy need. to do. I think yeah. that makes so much sense to read a kid's book about it. You know what I did when I went to Israel? I read the Pearl Buck version of the Bible. Ooh, it was the children's wow. version of the Bible. Huh. Because I read that on the plane on the way to Israel. And it talked about so many of the places I was going to see. Yeah. That then when I was there in Jerusalem, it all made so much more sense to me because I had just read about it. Yeah, that's the stunning thing about Israel. I was lost one day in the old city and I looked up and I saw a number on the wall and I realized, oh, wait, that's a station of the cross. Yes. You know, yes. I'm on the Via Doloroso and I was like, wow, mind blown. So when you're traveling, besides the fact that you've read about the place before you get there, mm-hmm. The next thing to do, I think, is to not try to do everything. So here's what drives me crazy. And you probably hear this all the time. You go someplace, you come back, you say, I went to Maui. And then people say, did you go to such and such? And you say, well, no. And they're like, you didn't go to such and such? (laughs) I'm like, well, yeah, but I went to a different place. Like, just because you went someplace doesn't mean I have to go. I did it my way. And I saw something great every day my way. And sometimes it's better not to have to see anything. You want to just relax and maybe enjoy three things intensely instead of seven things superficially. Well, our guidebook writers, they're all based in the destinations where they are. And I think one of the most helpful things about the Fromer's Guides is we give suggested itineraries. But I try to give humane ones. I often have guidebook writers who will put like three major museums in one day. And I'm like, who wants to go? To three museums in one day, you know, put one in the morning and then send them to a market in the afternoon so they can see the local life. Send them to a spa. Send them them to something totally different if people want this set itinerary. And a lot of people do because, you know, you don't want to feel like you're missing the major things, but you also want to slow down. And enjoy the life of the place and not rush from place to place, just checking things off on a list. There was a fascinating article in the New York Times a while ago about how to look at things in a museum. And they they went to psychologists and psychiatrists and art historians and everybody's consensus was you go into a room, you quickly scan it, and then you pick one piece of art 
to look at. And then you commune with it for 10, 15 minutes. And you don't let yourself move. And you let that piece of art work on you. And you feel refreshed. You feel like you've had a an intellectual and sometimes spiritual experience rather than uh, everything's a blur. So slowing down and also meeting the locals. I think that's such a key thing when you travel. One of the things I've taken to doing now is I'll go on Facebook and I'll say to all my buddies, do you have a friend in the place where I'm going uh, that I could take out to dinner? Because I travel so much and it becomes a little isolating sometimes. And that's always the highlight of my trip when I take this stranger out to dinner and learn about the local life and feel like I've made an, an actual connection in the place. And there's other ways you can do it. Like there are these wonderful tours all around the world. I just did this in Chicago. They're called greeters tours. And these are locals who are just so proud of their hometown that they volunteer to take people around. And it's absolutely free. I took a wonderful tour with a retired attorney of the Loop of Chicago. He took me to his favorite works of public art um, and talked to me about Chicago. He said the most common question he gets is, is it dangerous? And how, how he explains that really only two two neighborhoods are dangerous. And I, I feel like I have a friend in Chicago now. Wow, that's so – how do people find that service? There's a website called globalgreeters.org, which lists them all around the world. There are now 132 uh, cities around the world that you can do this in. You can do this in Bangkok, in Tokyo, in Manila, in Paris, in uh, London. I mean, places all over the world have these volunteers who want to meet you. They, they actually get excited by meeting uh, visitors to their city. That is that's very cool. So that it's free, and then you it's just free. take them out for a meal or something while you're going around. Actually, you don't usually. You don't? I mean, unless it's a full day tour, it's usually only a two hour tour in between meals. And it was funny. We came to this big work of public art. It was uh, probably a forty foot tall statue of Abraham Lincoln talking to a guy who was wearing a cable knit sweater. He was a contemporary guy. We had no idea who he was. He was holding a piece of paper. They were both looking at it. And we thought, what the heck is this? And I joked to my guide, oh, Abraham Lincoln was the original greeter. He's uh, showing this tourist around. And my greeter, Bill, after we went on our tour, looked it up so he and then sent me an email to tell me what the statue meant. It was actually Lincoln explaining the Gettysburg Address to a contemporary man and what it should mean for America today. I wish I had known that when I was looking oh, at the that's statue. that's so interesting. But, you know, it was great that Bill took the time to, to do this after the tour. I'm kind of shocked that I didn't know about that. So thank you for that it's wonderful. global greeters. That, Actually, that is great. I, in Jamaica, I did it. They, I mentioned I was a, a cook. I love cooking at home. And they hooked me up with a Jamaican woman, and I learned to make aki, in her home, aki is this Jamaican fruit. It looks like a brain, actually. But when you cook it up, it tastes like the creamiest eggs you've ever had. It's so delightful, a dish. Wow. Yeah. So that that's really interesting. Now, you travel a lot for business, but right. you're not writing the guides. Are you checking out what, well, I, what, what is in the guides to see what you think about it? I write the New York City Guide. In fact, Correct. my teenagers think it's hilarious because for a month of the year, uh, they'll come home and I'll be taking a disco nap because I have to stay out from midnight till four in the morning checking out nightlife. Uh, but when I travel, yeah, I try and check in with our writers. We trust our writers. I mean, they tend to be the best local journalists, so I don't 
double-check their work usually. I do a lot of travel for my radio show. We'll often do broadcasts in different places around the world. Uh, sometimes we'll do videos. Uh, so I'm usually doing my own work, not checking up on my authors because mm-hmm. I, I love my authors. I think I'm so proud to be keeping journalists uh, employed. Yeah. It's it's a rough time for journalists. It is. Very 70% rough have lost their jobs in the last decade. My son so. is a journalist. Uh, he's working, though. Good, so. good. Yes. He's Congratulations. Like, he's that guy, the working journalist. <laughs> yeah. So you talked about how people are the happiest when they're planning mm-hmm. their trip. Not quite as happy when they're on their trip, uh, but I but still, still think very, happy. very happy. Yeah. Then they come home and they say, I, I'm never going on another vacation because now I'm losing all of my vacation afterglow because I have so much work to do. So much to work do. to catch up on. Yeah, so you got to delegate before your trip. I mean, actually, the, we're talking about people taking vacations. Too many Americans don't take them at all. They're, yeah. they're they're scared of of maybe people realizing they're not as as uh, uh, unreplaceable <laughs> as they'd like to think themselves are, or that or they they maybe have real fears that are justifiable that they could lose their job if they took a vacation, and so fewer and fewer Americans are taking vacations, and that's not good. That tires you out. You need a break. You need to, downtime in your life. Otherwise, what's the point of living your life? You know, it's I not agree. just about having a job. I agree. I mean, we my husband. And I, we run our company, but we force ourselves to take vacations. We actually took two weeks off in November, which was the longest vacation we've taken while we've been at Chicken Soup for the Soul. But we went to Oman and Dubai. But I killed myself before we left getting work done ahead of time. I'm doing that too right now. I killed myself when I got home. (laughs) But while I was away, the only work I did do was I knew that in terms of stress, I needed to keep up with the email. Uh-huh. So if I spent an hour a day on email, that was actually better for my stress level. When because when got I back. got home, there were no emails waiting for me. Right. Everything had been handled while I was away. Right, right. That's great. So I I think that you don't have to necessarily go cold turkey on the devices. If you know that your stress sure. will be handled better by keeping up. Well, traveling with two teenagers, there's no way we're not going to have our devices <laughs> That is us. true. <laughs> so I want to say thank you to Pauline and also say if you want to learn more about Pauline Fromer, you can visit fromers.com. Or you could just Google Pauline Fromer, which I did last night, and you'll find all kinds of sites for all of the different things she does. There are about a million different things that she does. And you could follow her on Twitter using the handle at Fromers. You can visit her website, Fromers.com. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. The next time we get together will be Motivational Monday. And I'm going to tell you a story about what happened to one family when they put away all their electronic devices at dinner time. So thank you very much, Pauline. Thank you. 